Welcome to YEGMS, episode number 40. It's been um, pretty much since the beginning of summer, since the last time I recorded one of these. And I had a busy summer. So I've started training for next year's really long MS. And... Um, it's going good. I my friend, a really good friend of mine, Mark, uh, who's actually a, a an ultra marathoner. He and I uh, about two weeks ago uh, started finding the trail from Fort Saskatchewan, Edmonton. Uh, so once we get in Edmonton, we should be pretty good. And um, so yeah, I'm running every almost every day. Uh, starting next week, I'm gonna try a, to attempt to run 10k every day, Monday through Friday. And then take the weekends off. So that's going well. I'm pretty excited. And uh, one of the local radio stations here, Cruise 90, 95.7, has already had me on a couple times to, to talk about the run. So um, it's nice to have the support. And then we went out to Kamloops for a week. Um, and got caught in the middle of the forest fires out there. We had a few really nice days on East Barrier Lake and then uh, one day my my friend Adam who whose land it is he um, he's got a, a floating dock and it's got a little space on the on the back for a small outboard motor and we would take the kids swimming you know we drive the dock out in the middle of the lake and the kids would jump off and it was pretty fun so the last day we were there we were doing that and it wasn't a planned last day because um, it was fairly clear when we took the dock out and then just from the southwest side of the lake the the smoke just like it came in so quickly it was un unreal and we decided to go back to shore and probably 10 minutes after we got the kids you know uh, sorted out we uh, Adam came up to me and he said you know, would you mind going back into Kamloops tonight rather than uh, tomorrow? And I said, no, I, I, I can't see why we wouldn't. I mean, the smoke was so thick, it, 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 was, it wasn't healthy to be outside. And when we got into Kamloops, by the time we got, because we're about an hour and a bit out of town, by the time we got into Kamloops, it was, the smoke was so thick, you could almost not see the house. Uh, across the end of, across the street. Now, for those of you that don't live in Canada and have no idea what what I'm talking about, um, the westernmost province in Canada, British Columbia, um, is just covered by forest and mountains. And for the second consecutive summer, they've had an unreal amount of forest fires. Uh, and we right we we. Thankfully, we weren't in a fire, but we definitely got caught in the smoke while I was out there. Um, and then we got back from, from Cowboys. It was still a nice trip and kind of got back to things here in Edmonton. And uh, long weekend was last weekend here, Labor Day long weekend. And now we're into September. It was actually my friend's Mark who's been helping me with the really long run. It was his wedding over the weekend. And... He, it was a really cool way that they, they did their wedding. Um, you know, 
kind of wish that uh, I would have seen them been at their wedding before I got married eight years ago because they just had a lot of really good ideas and they had the whole wedding in one spot. It was very relaxed and casual and fun and, and really good people. Now, Mark is an ultra runner, and that's I met him through doing the really long run. And, you know, this is a guy that does the solo of the death race. And for those of you who are familiar, uh, the death race is in Cache Creek, Alberta. And I believe, and forgive me if I have this incorrect, but I believe it's uh, 120 kilometers plus run and you go up to up two mountains so you hit two peaks and you know I don't know what the guys that finish first time at but I people I've talked to I mean you're, you're running for anywhere from like 20 to 24 hours uh, so it's I mean it's um, makes the 80 kilometer runs that I've done seem a little silly by comparison which was interesting because at the table i was at at the uh, the wedding we um oh sorry not we some of the, several of the people at the table were were some of mark's running buddies and these are people who do 100 milers not kilometers miles um and yeah i mean like i said i i, I, <laughs> I, I don't suspect the the you know, an 80-kilometer run on, on a flat prairie would, would um, be much of a challenge for these guys. But it was really cool to talk to them and kind of learn different perspectives and be able to ask questions from people who have actually uh, taken it past where I have. And um, hopefully I didn't sound like too much of a moron, but uh, I can never guarantee myself that. Now, also over the summer, and this is really what the episode's going to be about, is I've been reading a book called Forgotten Civilization by Dr. Robert Schock. He's a geologist uh, from the Boston University, and, and some of you may be familiar with him. Is you know He started a major flap with uh, archaeologists about 20 years ago when he redated the Sphinx to be a lot older. Uh, the, the Sphinx at the uh, Giza Plateau will be a lot older. Um, than what archaeologists commonly think. Now, you, you may be wondering why I mention a book like this. Well, it'll come clear as we go along, but just a little background. Nothing, this isn't something I've ever talked about on the podcast before, but, you know, personally, in, in, I have an interest in... in uh, very ancient history, and um, and I read a lot of alternative history. Uh, you know, books by gentlemen like Graham Hancock, Robert Baval. Uh, a really fascinating book, book called Forbidden Archaeology. You know, things like that. And before any of my regular listeners get scared and think that I'm uh, a tinfoil hat wearing. Uh, ancient aliens guy I'm, I'm not um, in, in fact none of the, the authors that, that I read um, think that aliens are the, the little green men came down and built the pyramids nothing like that I just 
you know, I mean, there's the traditional approach to things. There's the alternative approach to things. And I'm not, I'm not really in either camp. I just, I'm curious. I'm a curious person. And, you know, some of the stuff, I mean, I, going through, you know, high school, then university that I was exposed to, exposed to, um, was never really that convincing for me. So anyway, as with everything, I, I, I question it and, and I like to find out more. So that's what brought me to uh, Dr. Shock's book. And so why I'm mentioning it on, on the podcast here is a number of years ago, I wrote a, pa- I wrote a post, not a podcast, this was a post on my blog, uh, and it was about a paper I had read from, called Geomagnetic Disturbances and Multiple Sclerosis. And it was by a couple doctors, one by the name of Saeed Adin Sajede, and the other guy's name is uh, Fahameh Abodala. And it was published in BMC Neurology in 2012. And my reason, you know, and how that, 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 came to be is actually one of the, the, the doctors on the study. He actually emailed me the paper. He had been on my, um, he'd been on my blog, liked some of the stuff that I'd written and thought I might find it interesting. So he emailed me the paper. And, oh, sorry, he emailed me a paper after he wrote, uh, read the blog post I had written about it. Excuse me. Um, but anyway, I, I found this, I found, initially found the paper on PubMed. Uh, you know, if you want to look at all kinds of different academic research from uh, numerous academic journals, just, you know, type into your search, search engine PubMed.org um, or PubMed and it'll come up <clears throat> and you can get all kinds of free academic journals. There's some, there's a lot of paid ones too, but a lot of them are, are free. So anyway, that's where I get a lot of uh, stuff that I read. And... Um, what that paper, what geomagnetic magnetic disturbances and multiple sclerosis basically was about is, as a lot of you already know, and I've probably mentioned it, there is a prevailing theory uh, in the multiple sclerosis community about vitamin D and where do we get most of our vitamin D, and a lot of us are vitamin D deficient, and we, well, we get it from sunlight, and then you see that a lot of uh, MS cases are, are more prevalent in, in northern latitudes. So since we get from sunlight, it seemed like a pretty reasonable hypothesis, right? Well, these, these two doctors in this paper show that, yes, while MS rates are higher in the northern latitudes, that's, that's not true in the southern latitudes, and they should be similar if the vitamin D hypothesis were correct. And what they know is these geomagnetic disturbances can be charted like latitude, but the instead of being straight lines, they are curved. And around, I think it's around 66 degrees north and 66 degrees south. I'd have to reread the paper. It's something like that. Um, that correlates a lot tighter with MS distribution than does vitamin D. And then they go on to note in the paper that um, MS rates have been on the rise, in the, you know, obviously in the last century and in this one. And the other thing that they note 
in the paper is, there has been, and this is a quote, exceptional solar activity since 70 years ago that is unprecedented in the last 8,000 years. Which brings me back to Dr. Shock and why, what, why I'm mentioning his book. Uh, while I would love to do a podcast on the pyramids and the Sphinx and uh, Tiwatiwakan and the list goes on, um, that's not what this podcast is about. However, in his book, Forgotten Civilization, Shock talks about how um, they're, they're, you know, cataclysmic events could have reset civilization several times. Again, that's not the point of this. But what he was pointing out is that there was a sudden and drastic change in climate about 12,000 years ago. And other authors, and we all know, I mean, this is, we know this from Greenland ice cores, we know this, you know, there, there's data out there, we know that this is true, that obviously the last ice age ended. And, you know, some other people have claimed that it was comets that hit the ice sheets. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of theories out there as to why the ice went away and we moved into you know, r roughly the weather that we've had in the last, you know, eight to 12,000 years, give or take. But the thing that caught my eye, so that's the part of the book I was reading, was he, was, he starts to talk about how, you know, activity from the sun can cause these cataclysmic events. And he was talking about how you know, 10, 12,000 years ago, there's a lot of sunspot activity and the sun was very, very active. But what caught my eye was he mentioned that the sun is more active right now than at any point since the end of the last ice age, which parallels what that paper I referenced early, earlier, ge earlier, geomagnetic disturbances and multiple sclerosis. So it just, it was very, very interesting to me that reading about two completely separate things, one was a book about lost civilizations and the other one was a paper written by two doctors about the potential link between geomagnetic disturbances and multiple sclerosis, but in both sources, they talk about how in the last century we're seeing unprecedented levels of solar activity. And then you start thinking about, well, how drastically the weather's changing. You know, I, I read out from the outset of this podcast, I mentioned the forest fires in British Columbia and how the last two summers in British Columbia have been the worst in terms of forest fires since they started recording, recording that data. And I, I grew up in Kamloops. I didn't grow up in Edmonton. I grew up in Kamloops. I grew up in British Columbia. And I don't recall the fires ever being that bad. Yeah, you'd hear about forest fires, but never the point where you'd walk out your front door and you couldn't see the house across the street because the smoke was so thick. 
I don't remember that ever happening when I was a kid. I mean, maybe some of you out there listening, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But even here in Edmonton, I don't recall not having the shovel as much. I mean, there's just not as much snow as there used to be. And granted, this is anecdotal, but uh, I mean, I'm sure it can be backed up by the by data. I mean, I can remember shoveling, uh, and not just when I was a kid, because when people say, well, you're smaller, you wouldn't remember, or it would, it would seem bigger. No, I mean, I can remember shoveling in my late teens and early 20s, and there was more snow than there, and that was 20 odd years, that was, I'm 41 now, and there was more snow. I remember more days of minus 30. And this isn't a, you know, a podcast about climate change, but certainly the cl- we, we, we're aware that the climate's changing, and I don't uh, want to get into the betas, the, the, the reasons why, but it is. But wouldn't that be fascinating if there's a link between this shift in climate and this, which could be caused by the solar activity, or the solar activity's going on, and the last time the sun was that active, you know, the ice caps melt, melted. But wouldn't that be fascinating? And I don't know if fascinating is the right word, but because, uh, I mean, MS is certainly not a positive thing. But can you imagine if it, it turns out that the, it's, it's the sun? You know? And that, um, you know, in, the, in this book he was talking about solar winds and all this. I mean, you'd have to be uh, a scientist at a level to really to be able to understand uh, but it was just really neat to me that, that, that there's potentially a link between what we're seeing going on, going on in the climate and the sun and MS and um, now this is all stuff you can read on your own uh, you can um, check out Dr. Robert Schock's book you can go to uh, PubMed and find the geomagnetic disturbances in multiple sclerosis paper. And I know he's got, they've got several other papers. And if you go to my own multiplesclerosis.com website and you click on sources, I have all the papers there. I mean, these are, ac- these are from academic journals. This isn't fringe science or anything like that. Um, now, however, it's not accepted. I mean, this is not an accepted theory. If you talk to your neurologist about it, he'd probably look at you sideways. I mean, a lot of neurologists don't want to even talk about vitamin D. So you can, you, you can imagine talking about magnetic field and sunspot act, activity. I mean, I've had enough neurologists roll their eyes at me in my life that, uh, you know, I'm used to it. But, you know, if you, if you were to ask them about it, I'm sure they, they probably either ha- haven't heard of it or they're not, um, or they would just kind of like shrug it off. Now, I don't know if that uh, if people are wondering. I don't think that <laughs> you think maybe you know you should wear sunblock uh, if that's somehow going to help. That's not what they're talking about. It's a geom- It's a magnetic field, uh, and then changing with it. And I remember from I remember from the paper, from the paper, uh, they were showing how these magnetic fields and changes in them can affect the mitochondria. And if any of you are familiar with Dr. Terry Walls and her 
TED Talk or her, or her books on nutrition and MS and how she went from a wheelchair to walking again uh, through basically a very extreme form, form of the paleo diet. All the stuff I've talked about or written about on my blog, so I'm not going to really rehash it all. But it was interesting to, to me that in, in the paper, Geomagnetic Disturbances and Multiple Sclerosis, they mentioned how that could be potentially damaging to mitochondrial health. And the walls therapy or diet or whatever we want to call it is focused around trying to help your mitochondria heal. So is there connections between any of this stuff? I don't know. I mean, I really... Uh, but that's what these podcasts are for. It's to throw out ideas. It's to be part of a community. It's to listen to different, you know. Um, is there a therapy here? I doubt it. I don't know. That's not why I brought it up. I just, I find it interesting, and I don't think it hurts to to snoop around and look and see what's out there. And uh, so... Which probably brings me to my closing point. Uh, and, the, and there's a, a high level of irony to what I'm about to say. But whether it's me or some other person or some other blog or a YouTube video, I don't know, whatever it is, we shouldn't take things at face value. You shouldn't listen to what I'm talking about, some crazy theories about magnetic fields and solar activity and so forth. This is all stuff that my personal feeling is, as an individual, you're responsible for yourself. So if you're listening to something I have to say, I would hope that you would at least verify it and then and this, and check to see that I got this from somewhat reasonable sources and I'm not just talking out of my, my butthole. Um, and I'm not presenting any truths here. What I'm, what, you know, what I'm presenting is, is ideas. You know, and I know, I've noticed that it's really hard these days to talk about ideas. It actually comes back to something I used to tell the sales guys that used to work for me. It's really hard to listen with your mouth open. And what I meant by that is if you're just waiting to talk to get your point out, you're not listening. Which means you've already decided how the world exists for you. So all your biases, all your preconceived notions, all the, net, the nonsense you get from, you know, media, you're ready to pounce on anything that challenges that paradigm. So you're not listening, you're waiting to shoot. And what I find really depressing as I, you know, look online and and see what's happening in the world. 20 years ago when I went to university, it was a safe place to talk about ideas. 
That was what it was for, is to teach you how to critically think and talk about ideas. And not all those ideas were comfortable. Not all those ideas, all those ideas I initially, initially agreed with or even became, came to agree with, but that wasn't the point. Now it seems, if, you, if, you're, if, if any idea doesn't fit a consensus view, however erroneous it might be, you get immediately attacked. Even though you're not trying to present the truth, you're trying to present an idea based on other information that doesn't necessarily fit the mainstream. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm nuts. But I think we should be able to talk about ideas without getting attacked. And that's what this is for. Here, here's some ideas. Here's some, you know, stuff that you probably hadn't heard. Check it out. Don't check it out. That's up to you. I found it interesting, so there it is. Anyways, that's it for me. Uh, it won't be two months again before I record another one. Summer's over. I'm back into the grind. Uh, both my kids are in school. Uh, so it's back to that Monday to Friday over-programmed time of the year, I guess. So I'll have uh, more time to... Well, it's not that I don't have more time, but I, I have time that will be available to do more of these. So expect another one in two weeks. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, etc., 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 you can send an email to sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com, S-E-A-N at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. If you want to check out that blog post with that, uh, the paper I mentioned, uh, just search for it. Go to the ownmultiplesclerosis.com and you'll be able to find it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at ownms.com1. If you're in Hinton this weekend for the Jasper MMS bike, uh, if you see me, come up, say hello, all that great stuff. Anyways, that is it for me. We'll talk to everybody in about two weeks. Take care.